Welcome to Campfire Football. I'm Sebastian North. This is episode 82. It just had to be. Yeah, you probably know where I'm going with this. Uh, obviously, sometimes you just feel this like air of inevitability about a storyline or a narrative. And there's also just some people who almost always rise to these occasions, right? But sometimes it's also just all about a moment and how a hero who may not have been a hero before can be made in just a matter of minutes. And for some reason, sometimes you just feel like you see it coming. That's when you hear that old cliche, it just had to be. And this weekend we saw all kinds of storylines like this. They always have to happen, but they fit into these categories of stories so well. Let's go ahead and obviously start with CR7. Cristiano Ronaldo goes to Manchester United, and obviously the the excitement is at fever pitch levels. You know, I heard that the trains going from London to Manchester, pretty much everywhere in England to Manchester, were pretty much booked up uh, a week in advance as soon as everyone knew that he was going to be there. And I mean, the question of him starting was, it was an interesting one because you didn't know what really where Ole would go with it. But when you watch the match, you were like, well, he has to start. I mean, it's Cristiano Ronaldo. It's not like he's injured or anything. He came back from international duty early because he was serving a suspension anyway. So he just left, came back to Man United to get ready. Okay, guy's going to start. And then you looked at the odds and how long they were on him to actually score first, even just score at all. There's some people that made a good amount of money this weekend off of Ronaldo playing, starting, and scoring. Not just one, but two goals. It, it just felt like it had to happen, right? And the the, the overall, the buildup from the media, from the fans, you know, everything, the, the noise in the stadium, everyone just, you know, chanting his name all the time. And it, it really felt like, the weight of the occasion was just going to make this happen on its own. Like it was destined to be, of course, right? Uh, the first goal he scores, awful error from the goalkeeper. It's, yes, a deflected shot, but to, to bounce it out like right in front of your goal, Cristiano Ronaldo gobbles that up, and it really calms him down because he wasn't really playing that well up until the goal. He scores, and Man United did look decent in the first half. In the second half, they concede a goal. Almiron with an excellent counterattack. Uh, Manquillo, Almiron, and uh, San Maximin combined to score. And you're thinking, oh, okay. And at 1-1, there were Newcastle had a few opportunities to potentially take the lead, even at the 2-1, which is when Ronaldo got his second, which was an actually really, really nice fast break. Showed his athleticism. But not just that. This is the thing about Ronaldo that people sometimes just miss if they're sort of casual watchers of the game, is that he, when he receives this ball... It's not as simple as it seems. He's got a defender running with him, and he is at top speed and takes the first touch into his stride so that he can still be running at full speed to stay ahead of the defender and then to set his body up so that he can have a clean strike on the ball on target. That's raw efficiency. And yes, the ball goes through the goalkeeper's legs, but this is what a quality striker and player can do is do this at top speed at 37 years old. I mean, it's kind of incredible. The funny thing is, his two goals were important for the match, right? And even though they were only two, they, when they were two one up, things were still looking a little sketchy. And then, you know, Man United, Old Trafford really turns into theater of dreams. Bruno Fernandez scores a salvo, absolutely gorgeous hit to the top corner. And then 
The fourth goal, Jesse Lingard's, which is a great finish. Really nice combination play at the top of the box. Paul Pogba with a really nice pirouette outside of the foot pass to Martial, who dummies it. Lingard puts it away. And this has been my biggest question about Man United this season. No doubt they have the squad. But is Ole Gunnar Solskjaer going to be good enough tactically to make sure that the pieces and the right combinations are moving and that the interchanges are efficient, especially against teams that sit deep and that want to counterattack? So, you know what? I'll, I'll give it to Ole. That that was a test passed, but we will see what happens in the Champions League. The Young Boys game about to start this morning as I'm recording this. So... I have to say, I was really impressed, but now we move forward. And, hey, you know what? Ronaldo's double wasn't the only double that just felt like it had to happen. Crystal Palace win 3-0 against Spurs. Uh, Jeffrey Tanganga gets sent off in the first half for you know a couple unfortunate but sort of silly yellow cards. And Crystal Palace have a 1-0 lead. Odson Edward comes on. Now, just, just came from Celtic, had a great record in Scotland, and French French player who most player most people had no idea either was French or really where he was from because he's a guy playing in Scotland, right? And Odson Edouard, well, where could he be? Well, he's French, and uh, I don't think he's ever received a call up to the national team. But this is how you get this. This is how you get the ball rolling on this right here. Comes on the field with 13 minutes to play and scores with his first touches on the ball, and then scores another one. A little bit later, but wow. I mean, this is amazing. Crystal Palace, you sign a guy who a lot may be expected of him because of his record with Celtic. And for him to come to the Premier League, look, if you're a striker and you come to the Premier League, you just want to get the first goals out of the way as fast as possible. So to be able to score on your first couple touches and get a debut double in 13 minutes has got to feel amazing. But when he came on the field, it was crying out. The game was crying out for Crystal Palace to have some focal point striker that Wilfred Zaha could actually beat someone and feed the ball to. And that's exactly what happened. So that was really cool. Props to him. And I really hope he has a great season for Crystal Palace. It's looking good for him and Patrick Vieira. So, hey, on we go. Bayern Munich versus Leipzig. Won't change it over to the other, really the, the biggest game on paper of the weekend next to Juve Napoli, which was honestly kind of just a disaster of a game. The goals that Juventus gave up for Napoli to win were, frankly, trash. So I'm not really going to spend any time on that game. But Bayern-Leipzig was really interesting. I mean, Julian Nagelsmann came over from Leipzig, was one of the first managers in Germany where to, to actually be have his release clause triggered, to for a German club to buy, essentially sign a manager with a, with a fee, especially a 30 million uh, Euro fee was a big deal. It doesn't happen very often in Germany at all. And he then brings some of his staff, Dio Meccano, Marcel Sabitzer. And it's one of those pretty common annual Bayern heist jobs on their closest opposition in the Bundesliga. So there was always going to have to be some kind of intensity and bite and weight to this game. And you know, everyone knows that Robert Lewandowski is going to be influential in games like this, right? But what is amazing is the air of inevitability that Bayern are going to win. And even if they're forced into a substitution where they have to bring on 18-year-old Jamal Musiala, you know, because something's not working or there's an injury or Serge Gnabry has to come off early, well, this kid comes on, he just completely wins them the game, right? And so it almost doesn't matter how they load themselves, Bayern. They will always find a way to win. And I know that this seems like something that's just, yeah, well, that's always the way it is. 
But in my time growing up, I remember eras, an era where Bayer Leverkusen were winning titles, where Dortmund were winning titles, multiple times actually. And so it, the fact that Bayern have been able to really put a stranglehold on the league like this, it, it gives you that feeling like even in a game where things may may go any which way, they're always going to go Bayern's. And one example is the the two penalties. Thomas Muller, I, I don't, I mean, he's like leaning back, his arms kind of in the air, ball hits his hand. They decide no penalty. And then, I don't remember the, the, the Leipzig player, but the ball touches, he leans in to try and chest the ball, and the ball touches his sleeve. So this is where I'm confused. I thought below the sleeve was not a handball. Either way, they call that one and Bayern score that penalty, whereas Leipzig would have had a penalty at nil-nil to potentially go in the lead. And a, a huge, huge, huge difference in how that pans the game out. And so, yeah, it just feels like Bayern, they're always going to be able to do it, no matter what. Even if, you're, even if the game is exciting and you feel like there's frailties for them, even if they have to bring on an 18-year-old, that person saves the day for them. So re- really impressive there. But an even better game in the Bundesliga, Dortmund against Leverkusen. Wow. I mean, what a match. And, and the goals as well. Florian Wirtz, Patrick Schick, and Musa Diaby for Bayer Leverkusen all scored really, really nice goals. But they were one-upped by Dortmund. Guerrero's free kick is masterful. It's absolutely terrific. I really check out the highlights of this. Julian Brandt then scored a goal somewhat reminiscent of Kareem Benzema's in the Euros where he has to reach back to flick a ball back forward to him. And then his finish is fantastic. And then there's Erling Holland, who not only scores the first header goal I can remember him scoring in ages because he said he's not very good at heading the ball yet. That's something that he really wants to improve. Scores a really nice goal with his head. And then Again, you're thinking, well, you know, he's got one. It's got to be the Erlen Holland show. It always has to be. And though he doesn't go and get it on one of his rampaging goals where he starts a play in midfield and finishes it off or beats an offside trap or gets a tap in, no, no, this is a penalty. And it's an extremely soft, dubious one in my opinion. But right now, everything's pointing towards Erling Holland is going to score. And if anyone else does, he's going to score more than them. So... It just feels like that every time with with Dortmund, but it also feels like they're going to get they're going to concede goals like crazy this season. So, I mean, they've got to be one of the most fun teams to pay attention to in world football right now, just based on their strengths and their deficiencies. So, keep an eye on that. I think everyone's really interested in Roma this season, right? Because as we move on to Syria, uh, and I, I said I wouldn't spend any time on Juve and Napoli, and I won't. I, Although it was pretty cool to also have this storyline of Zlatan every time he plays, he seems to be important. He scores in his comeback after injury from last season for AC Milan as they beat Lazio 2-0. But it's Roma that's so much fun to watch because there's a really interesting unit there, right? Tammy Abraham came from England, you know, as this sort of Chelsea prodigy who's just not been able to really get the minutes and I think looks great. And then there's really good players like, that I mentioned uh, in my last episode, Jordan Veritu, Brian Cristante, uh, Manuel Pellegrini. I mean, this is a, this is a very good side, and so I, I, I'm I'm really interested to see how Roma continue, especially with Mourinho at the helm. And I mean, this game that they played against Sassuolo has got to be one of the most wild games of this weekend. Now, I only got to watch the highlights, and I highly recommend you do the same. But it looks like there were chances and quality ones 
all over the place. I'm not really sure about the transitional defending or the positional play when you're in attack to make sure that if there is a transition, you are not completely caught out. But it made for a really exciting highlight reel at the bare minimum, and I imagine an outrageously fun game to watch and especially be in attendance to. In the end, Stefan El Shirawi's late, late winner in the 92nd minute, it it turned out to be, you know, just one of those pop it off moments where Mourinho charges down from his technical area, reminiscent of the Porto celebration against um, United at Old Trafford way back when, ran all the way down, and there's the track in uh, the Stadio Olimpico in Rome. So he's down on the track in front of the, the ultras at the end, and you know. That's the way you, you you celebrate when the game's won. But here's the thing. The game wasn't won. Even though Stefan Al-Sharawi scored an absolutely gorgeous goal that felt like it was over, just a few minutes later, Gianluca Scamacca gets in behind the defense on a cross, a long diagonal, takes one touchdown, and hits a peach of a volley into the far corner. 2-2. Oh, wait, no. He was offside by a leg, a foot. I mean... Really, really, almost nothing, and so it was. It's funny to look at this, and you're like, it just. You probably felt like there's no way that this is actually going to really bite Mourinho. Yeah, he's done tons of celebrations where it's been thrown in his face, but when you do the touchline run, you can't lose your lead or you know draw the game just a minute later. You have to finish and win it. Kind of reminds me of when Spurs beat Ajax three two in the Amsterdam Arena. And everyone was on the pitch celebrating. And then literally, when they restarted the game, Ajax had one more chance to send a ball into the box because Spurs didn't properly clear one. And you were like, what's going to happen now? So, yeah, it's funny. I I still am waiting for one of those moments where there's a pitch invasion that they think it's over and then they actually end up losing. I'm sure that's happened many times before. I'm just not thinking of one off the top of my head. So... Yeah, I mean, really fun for the fans. I, Roma are going to be a team to keep an eye on this season, so watch them. And Sassuolo as well. They play some brilliant stuff. So, yeah, Serie A is back. I think it's going to be really fun. Uh, as far as trying to predict who who might be you know, winners this year, it, I think it's great because Juve don't look good. They've lost Ronaldo, and so therefore they're going through another transition. AC Milan look very solid. Roma look, I mean, all over the place, but a ton of fun at least. Atalanta have been struggling at the beginning of this season, and Inter Milan. Well, we'll see. It's it's uh, they're rebuilding enormously, so it's going to be a very intriguing season. Um, a few the last game that I watched from the weekend was at least glamorous, maybe. But Everton against Burnley was excellent yesterday. Uh, it, not only was it a good game, but the second half was amazing. It was awesome, and the way the Everton fans really drove the team on. He gave you this feeling like this is this is gonna get good here. So Everton go down one nil from Ben Mee header. Burnley go, taking the lead and probably deservedly so, especially on the balance of the first half. And you could sense this like really, really just building negative tension in Goodison, even though everyone was still cheering the team on and singing songs. As the game started to progress, you could sense that they were like, "Where's the goal gonna come from?" Right. Andros Townsend has been a great player in the Premier League for whoever he's played with. And I think the biggest issue with him at Crystal Palace the last couple of years is he played for a Roy Hodgson team that sat so deep. Yet think about Andros Townsend, and you will think of some pretty ridiculous goals. 
the volley against Man City kind of jumps out to me. Uh, and he, and he had a and he's had a bunch. He has had a bunch. And so he he delivers so much quality. He's very two-footed. And when he gets into wide areas and he gets enough time to look up, you can kind of sense that something might happen. So Everton get a, a corner kick and they go short and you can sense the crowd get pissed that they didn't put it in the box. You know, you got Yerry Mina on the field, Michael Keane. It's got to go in the box. They go short. Comes out to Damari Gray. He tries to hit a shot. It gets blocked. Goes out a little bit into the midfield. It gets recycled. Goes to Andrus Townsend. And when he does a scissor and chops the ball back onto his left foot, it was amazing. You watch the highlights. You can see him really lean into his cross so that he can get maximum bend and also dip. And so the ball is exceptional. And Michael Keane's header is just as good because he just plunks it right in the corner. No no need for Nick Pope to even move at all. I mean, that ball's he's no he's going nowhere near it. Great cross, so good of a cross that it makes the header almost easy. But then Andrus Townsend, he just tears the roof off of Goodison Park. I mean, what an outstanding finish this is. Once again, is able to dribble inside. This time he's central, cuts in, and from 25 or so yards, bends a ball that is just, it's a looper. I mean, it's, it goes so high that Nick Pope, who's like six foot five, is reaching and he's so far away from the ball. I mean, he's got no chance, no prayer of scoring or of saving that. And so when that ball goes in and the Everton fans lose it because now they're 2 1 up, it just felt like anything else could happen. Another goal was maybe coming. And it did just minutes later. Burnley were trying to. I don't know, just really go after it, try and get in a quick equalizer, and it failed completely. Andros Townsend wins a ball just outside of his box, little tiny volley over the defender to Abdullah Dekore, who very, very intelligently drags the ball forward, and instead of just driving, he slows down and takes a look up at what the options are and sees Damari Gray steaming through the middle, and he plays an absolutely perfect split. Damari Gray takes one touch forward, another one to set himself, slots it home, and the crowd at Goodison is absolutely losing their minds. And it just, it almost felt like a fourth and a fifth were coming. And they didn't, but that third, it just felt like the wave crashing on Burnley after Andros Townsend's insane, insane finish. And it's cool how a goal of that quality can really sort of just fire up a crowd and will another one to, to just happen almost immediately. All right, so uh, the Champions League returns. It's started today. Um, we're starting today, and, and I'm, I'm very, very excited to get to kick off the day watching Man United play Young Boys. I imagine Ronaldo will start. I don't. I, I see no reason why not, and I, well, he might score. But, hey, Young Boys are not an easy place to go to. It's, it's, it's not easy to go to Switzerland and play. So I'm very curious to see that game. Then Chelsea play today. Lille played it. It's it's good. It's great. The Champions League is back. The next episode will focus on that. But there is one other thing that I'm putting on my radar for the next few weeks here, and it's the FIFA Futsal World Cup in Lithuania. Uh, it, it's I think this is gonna be great. We just got done with the beach soccer. Now let's go ahead and watch futsal. So uh, since I'm catching this a little earlier, it's the group stages. Everyone's played one match so far in the group stages. And it's going to be a great tournament, so I'll keep an eye on that and hopefully be able to update you with some cool stuff, just good little news. And what I would say is if you can tune in, if you can check out highlights, do it. Jump on the bandwagon. Futsal is great. 
All right, everybody, thanks so much for stopping by. It's uh, we're really exciting that the season's kicking off in the way it is. I, I'm, I, the, the games we've seen, the goals we've seen so far, it just makes you feel like, man, this, this is going to be a fun one. And I have to say, the officiating and VAR and everything has been better so far. So may it all continue. May the goals flow. May the lovely storylines continue to develop. And this is Campfire Football. Have a good one, everybody.